What God has done with my pain. 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 Another amazing interviewee with us today. I have Candace. Candace is a friend of Stacy. Um, and we had Stacy here a few episodes ago, and hers was a two-parter. So Stacy had so much to share with us, so much to give us, so much about God's love and and testimony of what he can do with pain. So with that being said, Candace, welcome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to uh, speak about my favorite person in the whole world, God. <laughs> he's done. And I just have so much joy that he's filled me with. And I really just want to touch the hearts of others mm. or have him use me to touch the hearts of others. Amazing. So. I love that. I love that. I was going to ask um, you right now, you live in uh, Fayetteville, correct? Yes. Wow. And have you always lived in Fayetteville? I think you mentioned on the phone that you grew up or you were from California before. I'm from Utah. Um, mm. I I've, I'm born and raised in Utah. And then I did live in California for some time. Went back to Utah. And now I'm here in North Carolina. Oh, wow. So talk to me about that. What was that like to going from Utah to California back to Utah to here? That's my whole testimony. Oh, perfect. <laughs> we're ready for that Friday. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, let's start at Utah in uh, your childhood. Okay. So, um, my childhood, I grew up, um, in just an average family. Um, I grew up Mormon also. I feel like that's going to be a big part of the conversation. Um, uh, a lot of my childhood, I think right now, God is starting to heal me from that mm. or he's starting now um to kind of bring a lot of that stuff to light that you don't really because if I just look at my childhood right now um it kind of just seems so normal mm. but some things here and there lately have been resurfacing um I had a great childhood for my most part there were some bad times that I'm learning um I was doing a small group the beginning of this year, maybe the end of last year with mm. my friends and we were doing um, a book called Forgiving What You Can't Forget, the Lisa Turkhurst book. Wow. And she walked through in her book, some things, how to bring it out of your, how to bring things out of your childhood. And it made me realize long ago, there was a moment when I was little, I was in a closet with somebody older than me mm. and it was like a sexual interaction so mm. that's fairly new that I am, that God is uncovering now. Mm. But as far as Utah to California to North Carolina, um, I kind of would rather just share that first because mm. that's where the start of my faith happened. And then what God is revealing to me yeah, about. Absolutely. The, um, I was married. I'm on my second marriage right now. And my first marriage I'm going to try really hard not to share their names. <laughs> my first marriage, he and I were both from Utah. He enlisted in the Marine Corps. That's how I ended up in California. Mm. We did kind of a courthouse marriage. And before we were married, there were some flops and failures in our relationship. 
And it should have been, I should have taken those red flags, but you know, when you're so young and naive, like you see right Mm. past that. So I moved to California and it wasn't until I was in California till things started to spiral downward. And I was probably Mm. 21 years old when I moved there. And our marriage, I, I, I want to share how bad it was, but it's kind of hard um, to share it the way I would share it when I first started stepping in faith, because I Mm. don't see myself as the only victim anymore in that marriage. So Mm. I do preface that he is not as evil as I'm about to make him sound, but Mm. I have to share that perspective to really show the growth in my faith. Um, Yeah. So in my marriage, it was very ugly. There was cheating, there was lying, there was verbal abuse, mental abuse. And I always thought that he was the one who was the most abusive, but obviously no sin is greater than another's. Mm. Um, And he would physically, well, he would do it in a sense where he would get really close in my face and scream at me. Mm. Um, But because he was in the Marine Corps, he wouldn't get too physical because repercussions Um, But mentally and emotionally, that manipulation and control was there a lot of the time. I did it back to him in the sense where whenever he was treating me poorly, I would then say, you're not a man. Real men don't do this. And that is also, you know, verbal abuse. And I've I've learned that. But he was very sexually abusive. I didn't realize how sexually abusive he was. Now that I am in a healthy marriage and I understand that sex is meant to be a joyful thing, it was not a joyful mm. thing in that marriage. And really when it started going downward is when he wanted to start having, um, how do I say this? When his sexual fantasies were starting to mm. get involved in our conversations. Yeah. So when we were in California, we are in the middle of the desert, 29 Palms, California. Have you heard of it? I have not. No. Okay. It's kind of near Joshua Tree National Park. So out there, there is nothing. It's like the middle of nowhere. Very secluded. When I first moved there, I cried for a Mm. few weeks because you're like, where am I? Yeah. It's so different from Utah, I can imagine. Yes. And when I was there, um, once I was away from all my family and friends, you know, his, his sexual desire started to surface and Mm. for months on end the biggest one that really started this whole journey for me was he wanted to see me have intercourse with another male in front of him and Mm. for months on end he kind of pestered me about it and usually when you are in a very toxic narcissistic marriage and Also, I know narcissism is tossed around a lot now in today's time, but eight years ago, it wasn't as big as it was. So Mm. it was truly Mm -hmm. a narcissistic relationship. He's had a lot of past hurt in his life. He's lost both both of his parents. Mm. Um, I personally believe that he was maybe sexually abused in his past, which is why he was so, like why sex wasn't taught a big thing in his yeah priorities so um when he 
brought this first to the table, I was kind of stunned because my parents raised me. My mom taught me, you know, traditional values when it comes to intercourse with a male. And I wasn't about that. I didn't want to include other people, other things. Was it in my playbook? But he brought those things out. And I would tell him for months, no, I don't want to do that. But ultimately, it led to bigger and bigger fights. So finally, Mm -hmm. after three months, I said, okay, fine, we'll do this. And he said, okay, I need you to pick somebody from your work, just someone random. And I worked at the Starbucks on the Marine Corps base. Mm. And so it's filled with only Marines. It's the only Starbucks, um, probably for 45 minutes to an hour away. The only people who have access to it is people who have base access. So I saw the same people every day. So I did what he said and I invited a man um, and I invited him to a house party. So I didn't just flat out say, hey, you want to do this? I just said, hey, we're having a house party. Do you want to come? And he was kind of caught off guard a little bit because that's weird. Why is a married woman inviting me? But okay. Yeah. So he came and is because my husband wanted to see if he was okay, if he was safe or if he was clean. And so we had the party. um, And after he left, my husband was so upset that he ultimately said, you invited him because you're already having sex with him. And it started. Yeah. So that then became a new fight. And it was like my phone became an electronic leash. I was accused of doing things and it wasn't happening. And it feels like when you're in a marriage, um, I do want to kind of go into my marriage because that's what led up to this point is he, I feel that anytime he did something wrong, he would find something to make it seem like I did something worse. Mm. And that would be the topic of any kind of argument. He would pick things. He picked up a mirror once and he slammed it on my feet and it shattered in an argument. He would go places without telling me we were so broken. I would get so drunk. Um, I used to be a heavy drinker in this marriage. I would just chug and chug and chug on the weekends. All I Mm. wanted to do was party. And when I would do that, we would always fight. And I would scream at him, I hate you. I hope you die. And that really showed where my heart was at at the time in marriage. But it's like, you're so broken. You definitely don't want to share your brokenness with the other Marine Corps wives, especially because I was surrounded by 18, 19-year-old wives. And... I didn't want to tell my parents about this, you know, this, I want to say threesome because it wouldn't be a threesome, but about what was going on because we were really fighting about this. And he was really saying I had cheated on him already with this man. And I had never taken a second look at another man until this situation Mm. happened because my dad um, had an affair when I was younger. So seeing that and then seeing my mom and stepdad, Sorry, I'm like skipping. I know you asked about my no, past, but you're absolutely well, fine. No, you're um, absolutely my fine. Mom and dad never got married, but seeing my mom and stepdad together ever since I was two versus my dad having an affair. Um, and this is no knock to my dad. So if you're watching it, dad, I love you. But you know, I I saw what I didn't want in a marriage versus what mm-hmm. I did want. And so the last thing I wanted was people to think that I was cheating on my husband, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he would broadcast it. He would, we put everything on Facebook, on social media, 
29 Palms had this Snapchat called 29 Snaps where people could mm. send in videos or pictures to the 29 Snaps and whoever was the admin, they were, um, what's the word? Anonymous. It was an anonymous mm. admin. Nobody knew who ran the Snapchat, but they would repost everything. Mm. And so he kind of would put that out there about me. And, and so I didn't want to tell anybody back home what was going on. So the first person I ran to was the man that we invited mm. to the house party. Yeah. I called him crying after a fight and I said, can you please meet me at GameStop? And it was GameStop on base because he lived in the barracks. Yeah. He said yes. So we met up and this is where the humility, this is where God began to start humbling me and breaking me and pruning me. Um, mm. We met at the GameStop and he got in my car and for two hours we were in that vehicle and it started out me telling him, I invited you to my house because of this. And his face just looked so startled. He was like, I would have never done that, even if you had asked me. And he started giving the benefit of the doubt to my husband saying, you know, maybe you guys need marriage counseling. Maybe he needs this, maybe this. And he was just giving me such good advice and he was being so kind and so loving. And I felt like at that time, you know, I have not felt this kind of kindness and love in a while. Mm. So I threw myself at him and we ended up having intercourse that Mm. night. And after we were done, I just started crying and he was really upset too. And he's like, "I, I grew up Christian. I'm a Christian man. Like, what did we just do? And he instantly, I could see the fear on his face because adultery is a big, um, a big deal in the military. Mm. And, you know, he said, you can't tell anybody that this happened. This can never like happen again. And, you know, that's where guilt and shame really entered into my life because now I'm this woman who had, who committed adultery Mm. and, at the time, I would say, well, I would have never done this if he didn't put this yeah. in my mind to begin with. So it's not how the world, like that is normally how the world is, is blame shifting. Culture mm-hmm. is huge. And thank God I'm out of that because I look back now and I'm like, I still made the choice to mm-hmm. drive to base. Yeah. I still made the choice to let him in my car and it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um And I had told my best friend what had happened at the time. And she said, you have to tell your husband, you have to tell him. And so I waited a few weeks. I nursed and rehearsed it over and over in my head. I was letting this guilt and shame build up. And Mm -hmm. then I let it build up. I still hadn't told my husband. She kept telling me these over the few weeks. Well, I was at work one night at Starbucks. We were closing. It was dead. And I was having some pregnancy symptoms. So I was Mm. Googling to see, you know, the symptoms I was having Googling to see what it could be. And it kept coming up as pregnancy. And so I was like, Oh Mm. no, I went to the P went out into the PX. That's a little shopping. It's kind of like, you know how target has a Starbucks in it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that it's a shopping center with the Starbucks in it. So I went out to the PX I bought a pregnancy test. I went right to the bathroom and immediately it said pregnant. 
Mm. And I just started crying. I was stuck in the bathroom for probably 30 minutes just crying. My coworker had to come and say, hey, are you okay? Like, are you coming back to work? Yeah. And I did not know what to do. I felt so sick to my stomach. I told them I need to leave work early. And immediately I called the other man um, who I'd met in the car. I'm trying to think of a name. You know, I'm just going to use names because it's truth and it's real. And I don't mm-hmm. know if they'll see this anyways. Yeah. But I hope that they do. If my ex-husband sees it, I just hope he understands that he's not the one. Maybe he'll watch it and say, you know, he's not the only one to blame. So his yeah. name is Austin, my ex-husband. The other male's name is Zach. Um, I called Zach and I explained to him, I said, I'm pregnant and it could be yours because I wasn't on birth control mm. and I had had sex with my husband, mm. um, but it was like nothing was happening until now you go out of your marriage. And this is why I always share with everybody like sexual sin is is big. When you go out of your marriage, now I'm pregnant mm. and, you know, I don't know whose it is. It could be literally yeah. anyone like that is fearful. And immediately Zach said, we need to have an abortion because if you have this baby, and they do a blood test or, or paternity test, and it comes back saying it's mine, I could lose all my benefits in the Marine Corps. I could get kicked out of the Marine Corps. Mm. And I used to be the woman who would guilt, shame, slander, ridicule any kind of woman who had an abortion. I thought it was mm. disgusting. I thought it was sickening. I hated it. And then I hear the word, and it's presented to me. And I feel like a lot of people think that it's just a woman's choice, that it should only be a woman's choice. But really like men do influence us. And if you don't have supportive men in your life, when it comes to pregnancy, you're, you are instilled with fear. So I immediately Mm. knew, you know, okay, I need to get rid of this. And now I had just everything I had labeled them, you know, anytime we label anybody, anything awful, it's, God, you will, I mean, he didn't use yeah. that. I made mean, a choice, but like now I've labeled myself those same things. I saw myself mm. as everything that I would see these women as. Mm. And I called my best friend to tell her, the one who was trying to tell me, you have to tell your husband that you cheated on him. I had to call her and tell her, Rachel, I'm pregnant. And she said, oh my gosh, like mm. you need to tell, you need to tell Austin, like even yeah. if you don't, respect him as your husband you need to respect him as a human being and he has every right to know that you had an affair and that you're pregnant like he has you know give him the chance to decide so I waited until the day after Thanksgiving because Rachel's yeah. husband um, came out and stayed with us that was Austin's best friend too childhood best friend mm. he came out and stayed with us for Thanksgiving um, he was in the Navy, so he was only two hours away from us where she was in Utah, so he couldn't go home for the holiday. And she said, it's probably better that you wait and tell Austin when when my husband is there. Mm, yeah. For your safety, um, just because we know how angry Austin could have been. And I can only imagine but- during this time, like, it's one thing to, in that moment, spontaneously say it, but you have like all this time where you're only you know and your friend and it's building up so I can only imagine that during this build-up but like waiting till after Thanksgiving and you're trying to like what was that like for you living in that time where you're trying to 
you know, not hold it in, but like wait for that moment that you agree that you're going to say it. But also, like you said, now, now you've turned on yourself a little bit. Now Mm -hmm. you've turned against yourself a little bit for even considering um, what you were mentioning earlier, like when that's presented to you. So what was that like for you? Like in that alone time? Cause at this point, like you said, you don't have that support, that, that support from men. And then also you're not able to tell your family what's going on. So what was that like for you leading up to that day as well as like just accepting that you're going to say? It was really, it was a hard time because I was so afraid. One, afraid of what people were going to think of me. Two, I was afraid of divorce. You know, divorce itself, when you grow up in a very religious um, environment, I mean, I do honor marriage and I value marriage, but, you know, divorce just brings already so much guilt and shame. And I'm like, okay, he Mm. can leave me. This might lead to divorce. People are going to know that I'm pregnant from another man. And it's just like, you start thinking the worst thoughts about yourself. And it is really scary. You don't know what to do. And it's like, because I did value life so much before, you know, I didn't want to have an abortion. No woman I don't think any kind of woman who even says, oh, it's a sack of cells or it's a a sack of tissue, like it doesn't matter, then why do you have to get rid of it? If it's just Mm. a ball of cells or just tissue, then why not just leave it in there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And because we know what's to come. And, you know, I didn't Mm. want to have an abortion. I was like, well, maybe, you know, I had all these thoughts, like, what if I did just keep the baby and... I was just hoping, like, I hope it's just Austin's and not Zach's. Like, I had no idea. And just the unknown of, like, whose baby is this? Like, whose child am I holding? It just, it was, it was very, I don't even know how to explain. There's no right words to explain. It was very, (sighs) the reason I asked is because I imagine, um, like you're not the only person who's probably lived in in a place where I have this thing that I have to tell, but I don't, I don't know when, I don't know how, like first when you were talking about um, the infidelity, like how do I even bring this up? And then it's kind of like you smack a cherry on top and it's like that plus the result of that action may be coming out to be being pregnant with someone else's child. Um, I imagine that like, I, I can see that people probably, can relate to that in the sense of like oh my goodness like I'm currently in a, in a spot where I'm struggling to come forward about something and it doesn't necessarily have to be on those same topics but I can imagine someone saying like I'm really struggling with talking about this or I feel alone in this area and so um I wanted to dive into that a little bit just so that people can see that like it's um it's really easy to feel alone and I guess to batter ourselves versus realizing that um, God is with us because I think in the interview that I've had previously, she mentioned um, being in a hospital room and saying like, where's God in any of this? Right. And sometimes we are so focused on our own actions and what we did um, and how we're alone in it, that it's, it can be so consuming in the end. It like really can consume you. So I just wanted to ask what that was like, cause I imagine like you're waiting for that. So, but yeah, you were saying it was, waiting until after Thanksgiving and your friend's um, husband was going to be there. Yes. And honestly, if you do want to dive more into the abortion topic too, like 
just ask me anything because I am an open book. And honestly, I think I need to be probed on this stuff because God right now in my season, now that I have a desire to be a mother, my mm. abortion is coming up. So I'm glad that we're able to talk like we're doing this um, interview, I think, just at the perfect timing, because I just got a book about um, basically hope after abortion. And I just started mm. a Facebook page called Surrendering the Secret Hope After Abortion. So I can share my journey of healing wow. um, because I'm learning that there is a difference between forgiveness and healing. Mm. And I tasted when I was first saved, I tasted, you know, forgiveness, I tasted that wow. love from God of forgiveness to where I'm not feeling like he's not going to accept me because of what mm. I did. But now I think because it was tucked away and like, okay, I'm forgiven. And I've, I truly felt in my heart, like remorseful of it, you know, I'm forgiven. Yeah. But now he's taking me finally on a season of healing. Um, now that I'm wanting to be a mom, because mm. the enemy been attacking me, you know, you've had an abortion. Are you yeah. sure you're going to be able to have a mom? Is your reproductive system good? Like mm. you, so I'm glad this is coming up because I wish that I had somebody back then to speak to and share this with. Mm. Um, the first person I did tell was my mom. It wasn't even Austin because when it yeah. came to day to tell him, we sat on the couch and he had already pulled out his phone and started recording me on camera because he knew. So I said, I need to tell you something. I need you to sit down. And because he had nursed and rehearsed in his mind and already convinced himself that I had cheated on him before I even mm. did it. Yeah. It was like, he already knew what was coming. Yeah. And he was ready. He was ready to publicly humiliate me. And I sat him down on the couch with Rachel's husband there. And I said, I had an affair with Zach and he lost it. He lost it. It was so scary that he was swinging at me, but he was hitting the wall and mm. Warren between us. Warren yeah. was still in between us and he was still this close to my face. He was spitting on me. He was labeling me and calling me every single thing in the book. And yeah. I was terrified. I didn't even get to the pregnancy part. Yeah. It was so terrifying that Warren, you know, when we had some time for a minute, because Austin had gone upstairs and he had started throwing my stuff out into the desert sand. We didn't have grass mm. there. So throwing all my crap mm. out into the sand. And while he was doing this, I was in my car crying. Like Warren told me to go to my car. And he had looked me in the eyes and he said, I, what you did was wrong, but I feel more sorry for you than I do for Austin right now because of how he's handling this. Mm. Immediately when I was in the car, I called my mom and she is in Utah. She was actually at Olive Garden with my grandparents having lunch with them. And I told her what was going on. I told her what I did and she just started crying. And I said, mom, I didn't even like get to tell him the worst part. And she said, what is it? And I said, I'm pregnant. Mm. And I remember she just started crying. And she said, you cannot tell him. Like with what he's handling, the way he's handling it right now, I'm scared that if you tell him that part, like he could hurt you. Like she thought that he would literally kill me yeah. because yeah. before we moved there, you know, you hear, <clears throat> we heard a story like maybe two years prior to us moving there, there was a Marine who was just so angry at his wife for cheating on him. He threw her in one of the mines, like out in the mm. desert. So, yeah. and you just hear a lot of stories about Marines out there in 29 Palms doing that. And so she said, you cannot tell him, don't even tell him. 
just go to a friend's house and we'll be there tonight. And she left Olive Garden and she went home, just packed some toiletries and they left and drove all the way to California to drive just to come and get me. They stayed there with him. And she said she was so afraid when she got there um, because she had sat down with Austin and he was crying. Um, He was hurt. He was very angry. He was so angry that he had looked at her and said, I'm going to make your daughter's life a living hell. And Mm. that's what she remembers from that day because she said he just, his eyes were just so dark. He was just, she could feel the evil that's on him. Mm. And the next morning they took me and my dogs home um, that Monday. Cause this was, a, I think that year it was on a Saturday. I think Thanksgiving was on a Friday. Um, but that Monday I called the Planned Parenthood and I made the appointment and I actually, my mom could not go with me. She had work. So that was really hard for me because my mom at the time, she was like my best friend. She was my go-to. And I'm so grateful that I got to tell her Mm. that you didn't, you know, guilt or shame me. Um, Yeah. She was more so, I understand why you're making this choice, even though she didn't agree with it. It was good to have my mom, but she couldn't be there with me when I had it. Mm. Um, My aunt, my aunt, she was there for me. She was able to go. She didn't have to work. So when it did come time for the appointment, you know, Zach, um, he was also, he encouraged the abortion, you know, and he helped yeah. pay for it. He paid for most of it, honestly. But he uh, he would check on me. He called me the morning before I went in. He called me after. And he was as comforting as he could in such a, you know, because he's yeah. not the one going through it. He's just more fearful of, I need, like, this needs to happen. Yeah. So aunt came with me that day and like my heart was already mm. breaking before we walked in um when we went in there they do well when I went they they still they gave me some anxiety medicine and then they still lay you down just to do an ultrasound to make sure that it is still there that it is still alive I was mm. probably only eight weeks maybe is what it mm. was um and they don't show you the ultrasound, but you can still hear it. So I heard yeah. the heartbeat and people don't think that like, like when people say it's just a ball of tissue, like, no, you have a heartbeat that early. Like mm. I heard it. Wow. Um, so it was even harder hearing a heartbeat. And then from then on, the anxiety medicine started kicking in and like, I will never like encourage abortion to anybody ever again because it that day is such a blur because of how much medicine they give you mm. but we went into the room and I'm already crying I was crying the whole day and my aunt's crying and um she's holding my hand the whole time and it's very traumatizing especially when you have the surgical abortion yeah um, you know this it's just it's they don't they don't really um, comfort you. I wasn't very comforted. They just kind of, I was just the next girl. I hopped on the table. The doctor didn't really, you know, say hi or make me feel okay. Yeah. In a way. It was just like, I was just a, it was, was just like, like a transaction. Like yeah. here's another one moving on. Yeah. Mm. And 
um, the pain, they have to numb you like five or six times. The needle this long goes all the way up and they numb you and that pain, it just starts feeling, feeling like um, birthing cramps is what they said. You're going to feel birthing cramps. And they had to do that like five or six times. So I'm already wailing. And mm. then they started to do the abortion and it was loud. It sounds just like a loud, obnoxious vacuum. And they sucked it up. And I was looking at my aunt the whole time, just crying. Like I was wailing because I'm like thinking in my head, like, what is going, like, why am I doing this? And I felt like I didn't have control, even though I was the one who walked into the building. It still feels like because Zach encouraged it or because I was fearful of my husband finding out or other people finding out that I would rather just get rid of this before, like, I just thought it was going to be tucked away. Nobody would know. Yeah. Um, and now I tell everybody. Um, but when it was done, you know, they replay the ultrasound um, just to make sure to see and make sure every part of it is out. And there was no more heartbeat. And I just started mm. and they had put the jar like they put it all in a jar and the nurse had put it right there on the counter so I could see. And it just looked like um, I'm not sure if. You've seen the movie Unplanned? I haven't. I remember when it came out. That is a really good movie because it really is, it's graphic to the point where it shows on the ultrasound that no matter how small they are, they are in there. And those, um, when I first watched this, I obviously just cried the whole time because I saw a glimpse of what the doctors see, you know? Yeah. And it showed, you know, the machine going up. And you can see the fetus kind of trying to run away Mm. because, you know, it senses pain. I'm trying to get away and you just see it on this movie. It gets sucked piece by piece. And so then Mm. when I watch that and I think back to my experience, they put it in a jar. It's, it's hard to think that's what I did, you know? Yeah. Um, and then after they just kind of put you in a waiting room till your medication kicks off. I just remember laying there just shaking. I had the shakes. Mm. I wasn't feeling good. I felt like, I felt like I just lost something. Yeah. Like I once had, it's like now that I know how precious, like I understand how precious life is. And I look back, the feeling that I was feeling was you can, like, I can now look back and, say I I had something so precious and it was gone yeah you just feel kind of like I don't even have the words for it it also makes me think about you 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 lost that but also a little bit of a piece of you also went because this entire time you had this strong belief of like I'll never be that person you know like I can't understand and you go from that to doing it yourself to experiencing that. And so like you're going through an entire shift, like you're challenged and you're exposed. And like you said, you feel like you have no control, but you also feel like you're not human because like you said, you felt like the doctor didn't acknowledge you. Your experience just felt so um, disconnected, you know, like you were in your body, but also it was just everything was going on and you're crying. And so like it's it's so hard because 
you did lose, you know, of course you lost that piece of yourself, but then there's so much that went with you. Because I imagine, and I am, I'm fairly confident when I say this, I can only think that when you went home that day, you didn't go home, you know, joyful. You didn't go home feeling better than when you had a week ago or even like a month ago. Like something in you must have shifted it's, along with I that. entered a prison. Um, mm. A lot of women who are pro-choice, a lot of men who are pro-choice, you know, they think that they're, they're vouching for freedom, for a woman's freedom of their reproductive system. But what they don't understand is they're actually preaching for a spiritual and mental prison. You don't yeah. get, you don't get freedom when you make a choice like that. You, um, you enter a prison. Mm. And so, yeah, it was very detrimental. Um, I, it was hard having conversations with just my husband at that time, because, you know, he, he was so manipulative and I know that this manipulation comes because he grew up in a broken home and I feel like narcissists, you know, they're not evil people. They're really broken people. And the reason yeah. why they are so controlling and so manipulative is because they have experienced loss in their life. He lost both his parents when he was little. So I see mm -hmm. him as that's the only way he understands how to keep people in his life is through manipulation yeah. and control. And, you yeah. know, he, he said all the right words to me and, we had conversations and we decided to work out our marriage, but it was like, I, he wanted me to come home back to California right away, but I wasn't allowed to have sex for a certain amount of time because of my abortion. Yeah. But they told me you have to wait. Like, I think I had to wait maybe six weeks. I don't remember fully. I don't remember, mm. but it was going to be hard because this is my husband who is very, who sex is what determines love for him. The amount of yeah. sex you have shows me how much you love me. So I told him, I said, I need to wait and save up money till I can come back home, which wasn't like all the way true, but I needed to wait till I was healed down there. Yeah. And when I met with him and we finally, I finally went back to California. Um, we started working on a marriage and two months later he deployed. So I went back to Utah anyways, during his yeah. deployment, this was his first deployment. Um, when he deployed, it was the manipulation and um, toxicity just, it like amplified. Even though he was on the other side of the world, it was like he still had this control and power over me with his words. They were so strong. And mm. before he had left for this deployment, I could not handle the secret anymore. So I lied to him and I said, I had an abortion. I was pregnant. I laid it all out for him. And I said, but I'm pretty sure it was yours is how I try to soften the blow, even though I didn't know whose it was. Yeah. But some way, somehow I did convince him that it was his and we had gotten matching tattoos um, for this baby. Yeah. And, um, but still, I still had in my heart, you know, I didn't know whose it was. Yeah. And it, I look back now and I'm like, that is also just, that's a giant lie. Yeah. No matter how awful he might have been to me, that's just as awful convincing somebody that this was their child. Because even if it was his child and I told him I got rid of it, that's going to create, you know, he yeah. had no say. He had no, and ev everyone should have a say. Um, but he did deploy. And on this deployment, you know, now he's filled with anxiety because he knows that I'm capable of going outside of our marriage 
And it's like, because I now know that I can, you know, that summer of deployment, I'm not going to lie. I was going out to the bars. I was flirting with men. Um, I liked the attention I was getting from them. Even though my husband, like, I look back now and I'm like, you're so controlling. Like, why are you saying I'm cheating on you? I'm not, but I wasn't doing things that a married woman, you know, yeah, should have been doing. I wasn't having sex with other men, but I definitely was not doing. Yeah. Honoring the marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just torment, the whole deployment. Um, and it, it ultimately was just, it got, it got so bad that I ended up in a psych hospital. Um, my mom had taken me to the ER. I had taken a bunch of pills and it was hard when I like finally woke up in the ER and I saw my little sister because my dad and my little sister came and just seeing my little sister there looking at me, like broke my heart because, you know, mm. I want to be an influence. I've all, I feel like I've always had this drive to influence people. Yeah. That's how I feel like, you know, God did choose me, you know, yeah. um, that's how God makes you feel chosen. But seeing her there, I was like, oh, I really, I thought I hit rock bottom there. Mm. No, it's like, it just keeps going and going. But from the ER, they took me to the emergency hospital up to the psych hospital. And I was there um, until my parents were able to get me out. But even when I was there, you know, they have a password. So if you give your password to a family, they can call you and talk to you. I let, yeah. I told my mom that she can give Austin my password, my husband. So um, he would call me and he would say, like, you should have gone through with it. You should have just killed yourself. You should have, it mm. just wasn't. He abused yeah. his, um, he Come abused, on. yeah, the luxury. Like, yeah. Having access to me. And yeah. There I met a friend who I'm still friends on social media with to this day, but it was like God gave me a person when I was there who was also going through a hard relationship too. And I really connect. I think she got me through the time in the hospital. Um, but I did eventually get out of the hospital. Um, and then I went back to California, but on my own, uh, maybe a month before he came home from deployment. And a month before he came home from deployment, um, I was going out to the bars there with my friends and I had met up with a man and my own husband knows about this other man, but I didn't fully tell him like the details. He doesn't really ask, like, he's just like, well, that was in the past. My husband now is, he's very accepting and loving and he's like, the past mm. is the past. like whatever happened yeah. before, but he might, I don't know how, I don't think I've told him this much in it, but there was yeah. another man um, I met, uh, I knew in 29 Palms and I went with, I invited him to come out to the bar and I took him to my house that night and I did it again yeah. right before my husband came home from deployment. And, you know, leading up now that I'm talking about it, um, I'm really trying not to think about what other people are going to say when they're hearing this, but yeah. Even up until two years ago when I started walking in my faith and things were happening again and my ex-husband and all that stuff was coming back into my life, I was still trying to make him look like a bad guy to his old friends. And he's yeah. not, he's just, a, we were both broken people and who made poor choices. But yeah, I invited this other man too, right before my husband came home from deployment. Yeah. And I didn't feel great about it. It was like, 
I was turning to this other man to comfort or just it was nice to have somebody who wanted me in a way where it wasn't control or it was just it was not yeah. good. So I did it again. <laughs> so of course here I am with this big secret. I'm welcoming my welcoming my husband home on deployment. Bring him home. Of course, that's the first thing he wants to do. And I can't stop like thinking about what I did. Like sex was just yeah. not enjoyable because now it's either I only like it when it's with somebody else and that's yeah. all I think about. And so um we had a full blown wedding maybe a couple months after he returned home and we had decided, I didn't tell him about this other man. I've never told him about this other man. He's still to this day yeah. about this other man. Um, so we planned a wedding. He returned maybe September of 2018, no, 2017. I don't remember. I'm not even, no, 2016. Okay. 2016. Mm. He returned home around September, 2016. And, and that December, it was going to be our two-year wedding anniversary, so we had a full-blown wedding back home in Utah, and, you know, we just said, okay, this is our time. Let's just start fresh. Let's just lay it on the table, and it's like, if you know the Old Testament, like, you don't just keep, you can't just like, okay, we're starting over. Yeah. You know, like, sorry, I'm like correlating the Bible now because it's, I'm thinking about it. Like, they always did rituals, you know, every year yeah. to just try to have a fresh start. It's not like that. Yeah. So that's what we thought our wedding was. And we renewed our vows. But that night of our wedding, he said, I asked one of your bridesmaids, like, if she'd be down to have a threesome tonight. So let's have a threesome. And I was just like, we just renewed our vows. Why is this starting yeah. already? And yeah. so that was not a good night. We did not do that. It was either we did that or I let him do something else to me that I also didn't want to do. So I just yeah. let that and maybe four months leading up to April of 2017. So the more that we had sex, the more he would make me say the man say Zach's name because mm. now it was like he liked the idea that I did that after he had already he had at the time when he did find out he did put it all over Facebook and he tagged me, he tagged Zach. All of our family could see, everyone could see. It was all over, everything. Mm. And now this man, he just, you know, ruined my reputation. Well, I did it, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, my whole reputation was just like burnt crisp. And now he's wanting, now he's getting a thrill of it, a high. He's like, oh, say his name, call me this name. And yeah. I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling, it was just mentally, emotionally just, deteriorating back and forth and mm. he kept on saying if we have house parties and you like pass out drunk upstairs I'm gonna have one of my friends go up there and do whatever they want to so I can watch and so I stopped enjoying house parties I didn't want to drink yeah. or anything I didn't want to do any of that because that's not what I wanted to have happen yeah um and this is really where it starts getting where our marriage starts really ending um, April of 2017, he started, started having an affair with another woman. And during this affair, I would constantly reach out to her. I even reached out to her mother once saying, leave him alone. Like I told her, leave him alone. We're trying to work on our marriage. We can't do that when you're in the way. And I started to blame her and not him, but she would always say, we're not having an affair. 
basically saying everything to make me feel like I'm being crazy now. Yeah. Um, her mom, I sent a long message saying your, your daughter's a homewrecker. Like she's having an affair with my husband and her mom just screenshot it and sent it to Austin. So I think back now and I'm like, I think Austin could have been telling them, you know, like we are separated. I'm just crazy. Mm. The way that they were reacting, like whatever yeah. he was telling them, they were believing him over me. Yeah. And they really did think I was crazy. And he would constantly mess with my head and say, Courtney is willing to fight for a relationship with me. Why can't you? Because I would get to a point where I'm like, you know what, let's just get divorced. And then that's when he would play the head games and like, she's yeah. willing to fight for me. Why can't you fight for our marriage? Mm. And I'm just like, he was always going out to Palm Springs, which is probably an hour and a half away from 29 Palms to go out to the bars. I would say, I want to go. And he would say, well, you work that night because he would pick days when I was working at nights and wouldn't be able to go. Uh, he would have house parties and he would say, yeah, Court um, I almost said, I said her name. So Courtney's going to be there. That's her name. Yeah. Uh, and he said, she's going to be there. Like if you want to come meet her, but then anytime, it, like an hour before the party, he would start a fight with me and he would say, yeah. I don't want you to come anymore. Like, there's no reason you should come. Like, I don't want to fight with you. I just want to enjoy my time. So I would stay home. Yeah. I forgot to meet her and I knew that they were doing things it, from April to August um, is when, how long this affair was going on for this disastrous of failing marriage. But um, so when this all was starting, my friends, Ashley and Tony came into the picture. They were also Marine Corps wives. They were best friends. They grew up together. Their husbands were deployed and they had come into my work a lot. They were Starbucks regulars and they had invited me to uh, come to one of their Bible studies because they just knew mm. what was going on. My friend Hensley, she had gone. Can I just take one second and I want to yeah. just say like, I have to give you so much credit because I know this wasn't easy. And like, I acknowledge that there are two people to play a game. Like I acknowledge that in order to play a game, you've got to have two players, but I have got to tell you like, girl, so much credit to you in the sense of just holding your head up. Honestly, at this point, like that's not easy to endure on neither side. And, um, you know, I, like you were mentioning about him, like he's also broke. And then a lot of the times we project, outwardly our own beliefs like if we're doing it I'm gonna believe you're doing it because I'm doing it and so because I'm doing it you must be doing it um but man like when you're broken it's already hard enough to hold yourself together because you're broken the latch is broken everything's broken you can't and you know God is you know God and, and the Holy Spirit Jesus they're like they, they're what hold us together in those moments but I have to just tell you how much I appreciate your openness how much I appreciate your vulnerability. And I know like we're still moving forward, but like, I just really want to thank you for all of that you've been sharing um, and all the brokenness that you've endured, all of the pain that you've experienced and just to see how you were still, cause like, I know that it's easy to be hard on ourselves and say like, why well, we're still going out and doing these things. And I wasn't honoring my marriage, but at the same time, it's like, it's, you know, we've all heard that, that study of flowers, you talk pretty to one flower, that flower thrives. But when you talk down to another flower, that flower doesn't thrive. And it's it's very similar to you. It's like you could only do so much with what you had, not necessarily saying that you're blameless, but like in the environment that you're in, 
you're going to bounce off of that environment. You're going to do like, and it's very similar to children, you know, children going, growing up. That's why it's so important on focusing what environment they're in and what they're seeing, because that's how they're going to react as well. And so just again, so much love towards you because even though you were dealing with so much and, and you were really dealing with like, you know, mental and, 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 and verbal abuse and just even sexual abuse and everything that you were dealing with, I just have to extend that over to you and just say like, wow, like you dealt with so much, you know, in your own way in a marriage. And, and of course, like you said, you're not innocent, you're not blameless, but it is just, it's difficult to live in that world and not be blameless when you're not Jesus. You know, we all can't be mistreated like he wasn't abused and rejected and have that same grace. So I just want to extend that to you. And it makes me so happy to think that like when God, when Jesus took on that cross, I'm trying not to cry because it's just so beautiful to think about it. He thought about you in those situations. Like when he looked at that cross and when he endured everything, he, he said, I'm doing this for Candace. I'm doing this for my daughter. I'm doing this so that she can have that hope later. Um, and, and have that, that freedom and that grace. So it's just, again, so beautiful to hear you, you know, talk and be so open and vulnerable um, and just extend that hand to someone else to give, to be that person for someone else to say like, I've, I have failed in my own way. I have been broken. I have endured all of these things. I know what that's like. So I just wanted to say like, so, so incredible to see um, what, where you've come from and to see all the pain that you've experienced and just to see how, how you've not only like endured that pain, but you recognize that pain and you acknowledge all of that. Um, but yeah, you were saying you had two of your friends coming constantly to Starbucks and they became regulars. Yeah, they were regulars. I also, um, they lived in my neighborhood and we initially did meet and thank you for that, by the way. Um, I always try to think like I need to tell how awful of a person I was but I forget to (laughs) it was a lot I was it was a crazy time I would exhaust myself too trying to spy on him go through Mm. it's exhausting when you're anyone who's gone through who's going through a marriage that's just full of lies and cheating and it is exhausting playing the detective game and it Mm. was so this is to the extent I I had my friend Rachel she had they were stationed at Camp Pendleton. I gave her my snap. I told Austin I was going out of town one time and just to see what he would do. Um, yeah. And I gave her my Snapchat information. I said, when you go to the beach tomorrow, I need you to log into my Snapchat, take a picture of the beach and swipe so it shows Camp Pendleton because, you know, location. Yeah. Like, so I was like, I need him to think I'm out of town. It was to this extent. Like I was doing yeah. all of these you things. You were plotting. Yes. And I didn't leave town. Mm. And he had stopped sharing his location with me on his phone, but little did he know I had gone through T-Mobile services and they had a feature that which that you could add to your monthly phone bill where they would be able to tell you the location. So I called him to see what he was doing. He said he was in the barracks and I said, no, like you're lying to me. Why are you in Palm Springs? Because that's where Courtney had lived. And so it was like, I would just catch him yeah. all of these lies, but then somewhere yeah. he would manipulate his way out of it. Like, why are you doing this? But it's just, yeah, it was, yeah. It was exhausting. But yeah, Ashley and um, Tony, they came into my life. It, it's like when you really are searching for God and 
I share this because I volunteer for my youth group. So this is just an example. And I know some of them are going to listen to this because, you know, they watch everything that we do when we're an influence in their life. They do. So hi. I love wow. You. But <laughs> um, I always just share like, you know, their relationship with Christ. Like I always want to be an influence and lead them to Christ the best that I can. But really nobody finds God until they have hit truly rock bottom because that's when he comes. You have to literally see the world. You have to be so broken. Like a burden has to be so heavy on your heart that mm. you have nothing left to do, but call upon God, call upon Jesus mm. because you hear all about him all the time, whether people believe or not, he is always yeah. a topic no matter where you're at. And it's like, there has to be something. And that's when you start asking. And that's when I started asking. And after I began asking, like, I need help. I would just cry in the shower. I remember mm -hmm. I had a friend, uh, my best friend, Chris. He has been my best friend since 10th grade. Um, he came to, to stay with me in Austin at our home one weekend and he was just downstairs and I was just wailing up in the shower because of the argument Austin and I had had on the phone once. And mm. I did not sleep with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he is my best. He's like a brother. I just want to make that known, everybody. Um, since there is a thing going on here, he was not one of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he saw it too. And so I started calling upon God, like, God, like I need help. And sometimes people who even don't believe, you know, we just say his name, like, God help me, you know? Yeah. And I started doing that and he started moving because yeah. Ashley and Tony, they started to invite me to their Bible study that they were having at their house. And when I first was, had the invite, um, I was like, Bible study. I don't <laughs> want to go to church. Yeah. And just how I grew up, I was not a fan of it. Um, just, I was, I obviously at this point felt so, I'm like, I can't go to church. You know, yeah. like, I'm this awful person. I can't go to that. Yeah. And they said, no, it's at, it's at our house. And so I was like, okay, I'm coming to your Bible study. And it was every Monday night. And, you know, they started teaching me about Jesus. They started in Genesis, I remember. Wow. But they, the way they started talking about Jesus um, and God and, and correlating, you know, we're going through Genesis and they were already bringing in the New Testament, just showing how it's all correlated. And they were just talking about God. And, and then I was starting to see it in a new light because mm. it was completely different than how I grew up. Um, I grew up Mormon and they don't believe in the same Jesus as I believe in now. Um, mm. they believed that Jesus and the devil were brothers. And mm. so I'm like, that's something the devil would want to say, but <laughs> I don't want to knock like any religions because that obviously played a part of my upbringing so that I can yeah. see a difference. But yeah, I started learning about Jesus and one of their Bible studies, they were like, we're going to watch a movie. It's called War Room. Have you heard of that movie? Oh, I love that movie. I, I I bought that movie off of Amazon Prime because I kept renting it to the point yeah. where like my boyfriend was like, why don't you just buy it because of how much you love to watch it? And I was like, that's a great point. No, I love. Wow. And War Room especially is about a failing marriage. It's about. Yeah. Oh, my and gosh. So I felt like they played it on purpose. 
Um, wow what was it like watching watching that movie i'm like watching i'm like i see what you guys are doing but Mm. it was necessary because watching that movie it really sparked my faith um my i went home i didn't have a walk-in closet like the movie and if Mm. you haven't seen the movie um to those watching it's 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 really good. It's about the power of yeah. prayer and it is about a failing marriage. And of course, this woman goes in a, in her walk-in closet. She starts hanging up her prayers and God saves her marriage. So I watched yeah. this and I'm like, I need to do that. I literally need mm. to do this because God's going to save my marriage. So I went home. I didn't have a walk-in closet, but I had a wall, my bedroom yeah. wall. And I started hanging up my prayers, like begging God, please save my marriage. Please help us. Please soften Austin's heart. Please like lead him to come into these studies with me. And he probably came one time, but he thought it was just a joke. But after we left, he just kind of mocked it. Um, mm. So I'm sitting there probably for a month or two, just writing out prayers. I didn't do it every day, but almost every day, you know, and I was just yeah. putting them all over my bedroom wall and my marriage just kept getting worse. Mm. <laughs> and so I was like, mad I wasn't maybe I was mad at God but I was just like dude what the heck like yeah I watched this movie like if you're that good why can't you do this for my marriage so then I started praying God if this isn't meant to be please like give me permission like I just needed you know I need to know like if it's okay for me to have a divorce please help me get out of this marriage and give me the courage and the confidence because anytime I would bring up divorce or the papers, you know, also would manipulate his way yeah. out or talk me out of going and getting those papers. And so I was praying, God, give me that confidence and courage to leave this marriage and not feel guilty about it. And one day, please send me a man who's going to love me and honor me the way that I deserve. And please one day send me a man who's going to love you and who's going to lead me closer to you. And I probably prayed that, you know, a couple times and before I went on base and I finally went to their divorce class because you just sit there for like an hour and then they give yeah. you the divorce papers, especially if you don't have any, like, like we never owned a house together or if it's just yeah. going to be a simple, easy divorce. So I left that class with the divorce papers and I went straight to where Austin was at and he had been staying at our friend's house. Um, and we were used to like walking in to like yeah. our friend's house. It was a single Marine. He had kids. So that's why he had base housing, but he never really had his kids. So yeah. he wasn't there either. But me and Austin had gotten in a fight the night prior. And that's really what made me want to go to this class the next morning. And I got the divorce papers and I went to take it to where Austin was. Um, and I went with my friend, my best friend at the time, because I couldn't technically serve him. I had to have some yeah. I brought her I was like give him these when we get there but we walk in and you know I see girly sandals I see the bag and I'm like she's here right now Mm. and you know this is where I learned like it's really important who you surround yourself with um people who are going to entertain this I'm not saying that she was a bad friend at the time she was the best friend I could have had in that moment yeah, we're young. So, you know, we know the outcomes. If you catch somebody committing adultery and that's where her mind was at was like, let's catch him and get him in trouble where I wish I look back now. And I'm like, I wish I had a friend to, well, 
I don't really wish anything anymore because it led me to Christ. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. for those who are listening, who might be in this, don't go into the house, leave and save yourself other troubles. Like my pastor once said, there's not enough mistakes in this world for you to make them all on your own. So listen and learn mm. from others. Mm. Like go the other way, control yeah. your emotions, just send yourself. But anyways, I went into the house. I went to the bedroom where they were, they weren't doing it. It was still early in the morning, but they were laying there in bed. She's basically in his t-shirt. Um, he's basically just in his underwear. And like, this man doesn't just have sleepovers for fun. Like, um, yeah. I woke them up by pulling her hair. Uh, and then he stood up, he's defending her, making me seem like I'm the crazy one. Like he was wanted this divorce all along. You know, he, he was saying everything that she would want to hear and see. Mm -hmm. and then he tried to tell me that they didn't have sex and I used to sell pure romance I don't know if you've heard of that it's like the girl parties toys mm. lingerie, body no, stuff I've never heard of it yeah I used to sell that stuff because mm. I'm like oh, Marine Corps wives are everywhere they're gonna be the best yeah people to so I would host these yeah. parties, like girls nights yeah and just put on a show and it comes with a kit. It's kind of like women who sell Sensi. They get like a kit to display their for their parties, you know? Yeah. So I have my own kit, but things were going missing from that kit for over the leading up to this moment. Yeah. He's telling me that they didn't even have sex. I looked and I saw some of my stuff that was there. Yeah. And so I smacked him across the face and that's really what triggered him. And he just pushed me back by my throat into the wall. He was mad and... Um, I went to jail this day because pulled yeah. her hair and that's battery assault in California, which is a felony. And I smacked yeah. him open palm, but I look back now and I'm like, God's grace was all over that because I never got convicted. I mm. have been flooded by friends and family with character statements that I got to present to the judge. Even my wow. husband, I convinced him, he, you know, I think he was fearful of divorce too. Of course, he doesn't like that feeling of losing somebody, but he yeah. wanted to gain another person at the same time. Yeah. Can't have yeah. Both of us, you know, but yeah. he did. He made it seem like he wanted to keep our marriage and he, um, he even sent in a character statement. But um, basically, when I went to jail that night, this is where it gets kind of crazy. I was there probably for nine hours and mm. my now husband, Corey, he bailed me out of jail. And everyone's mm. always like, how did you, how did that happen? So I was going to say, did you already know Corey at the time? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> so he, um, he probably came, I just knew him from the gym. And then he was also a regular at Starbucks because he worked on base as a contractor. He used to be a Marine, but at this time in my life, he was already out and he's contracting and he worked at the gym that I would always go to with my friend off base. So I just like knew of him. We weren't really wow. close or anything, but probably two to three weeks before this jail incident, because their affair, I went to jail the beginning of August, probably August 4th. I feel like it was yeah. August, either August 4th or August 6th. I don't really remember. I know it's one of those two, but Austin had started talking to Courtney about April. So this mm. was like a long summer and probably three weeks before this jail incident, um, well, not three weeks. Let me rewind. Corey had invited me to go with him to Vegas because he knew mm. what was going on. I'd kind of, he saw me 
struggling at the gym once and I just like kind of told him everything and so yeah. he knew what was going on and to him he had just coming up he was just coming out of a divorce um that year the beginning of the year so he was mm-hmm. like sorry babe if you're watching this because he's gonna watch it I'm not trying yeah. to look bad but he was like just ready to take <laughs> yeah like, he's gonna be so divorced <laughs> but I gotta be real okay this is real life yeah <laughs> hey, he's hooking up with everybody. I'm just gonna put it out there. And yeah. so he invited me to Vegas and I declined because I'm like, I can't go to Vegas with like some random guy and his friends. Yeah. So I went to uh I I declined and I didn't go. But when I came when he came back and you know, my marriage is just getting worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse, and I was giving up on the prayers, I started inviting him to go with me to the bars in town. I had gone to his house and that's when I did it again, you know. Mm, like, yeah. We probably, you know, had sex a couple times before this moment, but it was like now you're in this battle of like mm. getting even, but then you want to save this marriage, but then you're still getting yeah. even because you're so angry. It's like you're trying so much that now you're just angry. And that's yeah. I was angry. And then I started wanting my cake and to eat it too like just it was yeah. just a game I look back and it was a mess it was a mess it was a game right. Corey bailed me out of jail um and when it comes to getting bailed out of jail like that's a whole new experience it's like you pay 20 percent of your bail um mm. my bail was I was only worth 20,000 um so he had to pay like <laughs> two grand to get me out <laughs> and if you don't make it to your first court date you got to pay the full amount back so he's like just make mm. it to your first court date but he bailed me out of jail I went home with him that night because I'm like, my my savior, you know? Yeah. You saved me. So I went home with him that night. And it was, to me, I look back and I'm like, it was so romantic. It was like pouring rain. My knight in shining armor came. It was bad. <laughs> but I went home with him that night because the power was out. When you mm. have a desert flood, like when you, there's a rainstorm in the desert, it floods and everything goes out. Mm. But then the next morning, he explain to me like I have access to like call the chain of commands like he knows he has those connections so he said I can call his chain of command and like he they will walk Austin down from the barracks and make him sign the divorce papers and I was like really and he said yeah mm-hmm. so um he did that we went to the barracks and he went over there with me to Austin and then his higher up and his higher up made him sign the divorce papers and we left and I still remember Austin when we're walking away. He's like, "I'm always gonna love you," and I'm just like, <sighs> mm, "Yeah." And I'm just like so annoyed. But then Corey drove me to the courthouse. We, um, like we uh, processed my divorce papers. They said it'll be six months until it goes all the way through. That's just in case you change your mind. And I'm thinking like I'm not gonna change my mind. Yeah. But that six months was another tormenting period because mm. Austin was aware of the six month period. And so he continued to try to guilt me and like, he would say all the right things. And I just want to say to my husband, Corey, like at the time he was very patient during this. And I remember him telling me like, if like, I understand like you're going to have these feelings because he was your husband and he was just very understanding of, yeah of that because you know he's trying to be with me but also you know you're leaving I'm leaving one relationship and going right into another one we had only we were going to only be hookup buddies until I went back to Utah 
I was just staying in California until my first um, court date, which wasn't until October. Yeah. Um, but I ended up moving in with Corey because during the six-month period, I technically was supposed to still be able to live in the base housing, but Austin went to his chain of command and said that I was talking to this man, and some way, somehow, he got me booted out of the base housing. Yeah. And so I had nowhere to go. Corey let me move in with him and his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> It was a crazy time, but that's who I stayed with. Like Corey was doing everything to, to take care of me. And, you know, it was yeah. like he, I look back now, he was showing me like what a real man should be like. And he said that to me the day after we took my divorce papers, he said, okay, can I take you to lunch and show you how a real man should treat you? And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm swooning over this. Yeah. But yeah. he was, he, from the moment, like this was all going on and Austin would upset me during this whole process. Corey just kept saying like, we're a team. Mm. And he was treating me like we were a team before we were really like committed to each other. And, um, you know, it was hard because Austin would still try to say the right things to me. And I really had to let that go. Like anyone who, I try mm -hmm. to tell this to other women when I'm doing their lashes. I'm like, you have to let it go. Like you just, yeah. it's so hard because there's such a strong soul tie on mm -hmm. that, that just trying to even like, I would block his number, but then I would unblock it. And poor Corey had to change my number several times. Um, because other people, like he would get my phone number. I probably texted him once from it because, you know, he would even use my dog to try mm -hmm. to say, well, I'm in. I miss Millie. Like I need to come see her. And he would just say those things, you know, and it's just such a strong soul tie that yeah. it was hard to let it go. But it came to a realization, you know, maybe three months into it. I'm like, Corey is literally housing me. He's taking care of me. He's spoiling me. He's showing me a new love. Like I need to respect this man more and let mm. this go. No, it's hard because like, I just spent all these other years with Austin, but I really, you have to realize you can't, I can't be doing what Austin was doing to me with Courtney. Yeah. can't be doing this to Corey. And Corey would always, he would get frustrated at times too. He'd say, stop texting him. You need yeah. to just stop texting him. Stop responding. But it's so hard. Like no one yeah. talks about how hard it really is. Like they have such a grip on you that you just, it's like, when you're with a narcissistic person, it's like, that's an addiction because you yeah. get bombed and then you're reminded, it's like, then you're reminded like, oh my gosh, like this is awful. But then you're love bombed again. So it's like a constant. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until finally the divorce finalized. And even when the divorce finalized, you know, I had a D-Day gathering at one of our favorite bars and he saw that and he's like, oh. I would never have a divorce day party. Like, I'm so sad that we're actually divorced. But during this whole six months, he also announced their pregnancy. So him and Courtney oh my goodness. pregnant. Probably, they had probably announced it like a month after we even signed our divorce papers. So, mm. and then they had gotten married, obviously, really fast too. As soon as our divorce finalized, they got married. Yeah. And so... It was, I really had to let it go. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. had built together still too. And so I want to also go back. So when me and Corey started dating too, um, 
I'd invited him to come with me to church because I eventually started going to the same church Ashley and Tony was going to. Mm-hmm. And we started dating. Ashley and Tony actually moved back to where they were from. Um, their husbands had come home from deployment and they got out um, of the Marine yeah. Corps and went, they all went back home. So um, Corey came with me to church. He looked very uncomfortable while we were there. I asked him if he wanted to leave. So we left early and he took me to lunch and he just, you know, was honest in me. He said, I don't believe in this stuff. Uh, he said, just Christianity. He basically, I, it's really hard because I know he's going to listen to this and I, he's going <laughs> to get mad for it. He's going to say, you put words in my mouth, but I'm just, he literally <laughs> did not believe in Christianity. Mm. Um, wasn't like, I still say he was atheist because he told me that he would convince his Christian friends out of believing, mm. you know? So yeah. for me, that's kind of atheist. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. don't know. Just you're trying to convince people out of the belief of Christ. To me, that's atheist. But I said, <laughs> basically, you know, well, what do you believe? And he started telling me about the secret, the law of attraction, the universe, the power of the universe. What you put in is what you get. And like, man, like you can basically, you manifest. He had me watch the, the movie, The Secret. And it's mm. all about manifestation, you know, and making your vision boards and, yeah. So I was like, oh, this sounds good. And then I started thinking, oh, God and the universe are the same thing. Yeah. I became one of them. And so, <laughs> so I got myself a journal and I started manifesting. I would, you know, I got into saging. I had bought like a chakra and crystal book. I thought about those, but he just, he didn't believe. And it wasn't until we had a Friendsgiving a couple of years later, we had a Friendsgiving. One of our friends had brought a a thing of pot brownies for it. Mm. And he explained how much you should only eat where Corey thought you, he was a, he's buff. So he, maybe he could handle more. So he ate more because it wasn't kicking in after an hour. Yeah. So he ate another one. Anybody who's had that, like, you know, Double that's effect. not how edibles work. No, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of like the beginning of Corey's testimony. So I won't share like too much and he makes it, yeah. it sounds way better when it comes from the source, but basically he was hallucinating for over 24 hours on this pot brownie. And it, mm. he puts it as he was in hell this whole time. Mm. And it wasn't until there was a light that came and said, I'm real, I'm Jesus. And if you accept me, I can make this all go away. And mm. he accepted him. But wow. even though like that initial acceptance, it's like, you don't really just start going to church. Not yeah. everybody does that because we didn't do it. We actually ended up moving to Bakersfield, California, because he um, got a job in the oil field instead. So we moved over there and, you know, I'm still all about spreading positivity and manifesting, but this is, I was closer to LA. So if you know, like the LA mentality, it's like influencer mm everything and I yeah. started getting into the modeling um I was posting pictures on my Instagram I made a whole separate Instagram page it was my modeling Instagram page where I was basically showing myself to the world um for free mm. I was taking these doing these modeling shoots and Corey was encouraging it too and he was supportive of it and I would post these photos and just say, like, whoever, like, has something to say about it. Like, I'm confident. 
um, and it led me to wanting to get like my breasts done. So I did get those done and it was, it's stemming from a lack of confidence, you know, it wasn't. And I look back now and I'm like, it's because I wanted to show people like, especially my ex-husband, that's a factor. Like I wanted to show him what he lost because he would always put me down flat chest. He would always, you know, just, you get so insecure. Yeah. Through all of this. Um, Also because in America, you're supposed to like love one another. And when your husband, you know, has been uh, cheating and all of these things and he does comparisons or he talks down to you, it's so easy to pick yourself apart, but then say, oh, well, maybe I can do all of these other things to make myself desirable. Yeah. And I, I thought that it was confidence, you know, look at me, I'm in this happy relationship now. I'm so confident. And I was just turning Mm. to the world to get you know, validation and I remember too, one of, it hit me like one day, one of my friends had asked me like, can you block my husband from seeing this Instagram? Mm. And I just felt kind of bad, but I was like, sure. You know, I just kept going, but I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, wow. And yeah. Um, so that was not confidence. It wasn't, it was just another way that I was, it was just from one addiction to another, you know, seeking Mm. validation from the world and getting that next high, you know? Wow. And so, um, during this time though, is when it was like 2020 COVID had hit Mm. and the oil field, and this is really where God starts coming back. So Corey had his vision in December or Thanksgiving of 2018. Then a whole year goes by. We try to go to a church once in Bakersfield. He wasn't having it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we didn't go back because his dad had sent him a Bible and, but nothing really came about it until COVID. Mm. And I feel like God moved a lot during COVID. Oh girl, God did so much in COVID. I absolutely he agree. Did. Yeah. I feel like he brought a lot of people to light during that year of darkness, like a lot. Because mm. a lot of the time when I'm sharing my testimony, girls will say, yeah, at the end of 2020 or in 2021, I'm like, God touched so many hearts during this time. Oh, yeah. Even I can agree on myself. Like, I feel like in that time I was when I started reading my Bible more, was when I started to seek God out more. So it's yeah. beautiful that you say that because like, at that time, we're all a lot. The whole world is panicking, but also God was moving in in such a strong way. Yeah, wow. He did, and and so when Corey was in the oil field, oil plummeted, and I was like, "Well, we can't sit and wait around. Like, we can't afford to just sit and wait around to see if it comes back up." You know, California. We had California rent. Mm, <laughs> hey. Yeah, no. So I said, my parents said we can move back to Utah, move in with them in their basement. And so we did that. And of course we lost everything. And it was another kind of thing that God had to prune me of Mm. and him of, because now I have this man who's making the oil field money. I have all this attention. I'm becoming an influencer. I have all these followers on my Instagram. I'm like, making myself feel like I'm this important person, you know? Yeah. You're on a pedestal. Yes. 
and we lost it just like that. And I remember wow. just crying the second we got to my parents' basement because it's like an unfinished basement. So we didn't have <laughs> so humbling. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck? We just had everything. We were blowing mm. our money on like things that like just things, you know, because yeah. we had the money to do it. Um, so I felt so bad. Like I remember, I think I've told my husband this, but I told him when we were in the basement, I was like, I, don't, I just, I, I feel like the things, I don't remember actually what I said, but I feel like the things that I did say probably felt, filled him with so much guilt, you know, as a man. Mm, yeah. Because I was like, poor me. We just lost all, we're, we didn't lose anything. We have a house to still live in. Like I yeah. was being so ungrateful in that moment because yeah. it's like when you get yourself up to there, yeah. And then you lose it. It's like God can, I mean, he didn't take oh. it. But like, it's like, he will, you're going to be God. humble. I love how you said pruning. Life. Like God will, well, God will humble you in the sense of like, you were on this pedestal that you placed yourself on and you were growing and all this stuff. And like, but at, at the same time, you wanted it like inside, you wanted a relationship with God and God is like, I got, mm -hmm. I have to like refine. And, and also like, I think what he does is he shifts our head and changes our perspective of what is what is kingdom and what is valuable and what is treasure, right? Because yeah. like what you, what one person considers treasure, another person might not. And God's like definition of treasure is so different. So to, I actually interviewed someone. Um, oh, he was in season one. He talks about living in a basement and how that is where he heard God's audible voice. So like there is a theme where God meets you in those humbling spaces because it seems like that's the only place we seem to be able to hear him when everything loud and distracting is gone. Um, so yeah. it's just so amazing to hear you talk about that and talk about how like, you know, like how God not necessarily was trying to take things away, but how he was teaching you and trying to get to you. So, wow. Yeah. And it, it, he does come back in the basement <laughs> because, um, I do look back now and I know, I feel like my husband, I've heard him say it before that like, this whole moving back into my parents wasn't only for me, but it was also for my husband because how's God supposed to teach Corey to depend on him as something that he can't see. If he's already just mm. not belief of that, how is he supposed to teach him to depend on him? If he can't even depend on what he can see. Yeah. And Corey's always been so independent growing up and taking care of him, himself and his loved ones. And so having to be dependent, it ate at his heart. Like mm. pride ate at his heart. I started becoming like just very negative and, you know, our relationship started going turmoil, but it wasn't until after, so we got engaged. So we moved to my parents, April of 2020, we got engaged July of 2020. And from then on, it just started getting turmoil that we were ready to call off our engagement by October. Mm. why the devil hates marriage so yeah. the second we're engaged he's going to come in hard mm -hmm. yeah to try to kill still destroy. destroy that mm -hmm. we were also very heavily um into politics like we maybe not so much him but he was a huge trump supporter but i like idolized the man i was like as bold yeah. as i am about jesus and my faith i was bold about trump and now I realize we don't get involved in politics anymore because the devil does use politics to divide mm. and we just don't want to partake in that division at all. So yeah. we're just not, and we don't do that anymore. But back then that 
Trump was my Jesus. You know, he was mm. my, he was going to save our world. Yeah. <laughs> and it did. It pulled people out of my life, my family, my loved ones, my siblings, you know, they started pulling away from me um, because they're LGBTQ community. So that was yeah. definitely, um, so I just kind of fell into a depression and I was getting sad again and I'm running out of hope again. And it was getting dark again. You know, I was like, I've felt this before. I don't want to be feeling this again. I don't want to be in a relationship like this again. I was starting to see, it was no longer, I was no longer seeing Corey as the man who saved me. I was seeing him as this mean, awful person, but I was also being very disrespectful and I was yeah. also being an awful woman and the love and respect that we're supposed to give each other wasn't there. And so I like, we watched a movie called Social Dilemma. It talked about the negative um, sides like of social media. And as soon as mm. I watched that, I was so angry with like the social media, like people, just whoever run these platforms that I deleted every single social media permanently, except for, wow. well, okay, except for Facebook, but I did take that off my phone and deactivate it. But uh, Instagram, I, it was hard because I deleted the modeling Instagram mm. and I had so many followers and I was so angry. I deleted that, deleted my personal Instagram, deleted TikTok, permanently deleted everything else. And it was just what I needed, like to silence the noise, you know? Mm. And so of course, you know, I have nothing else to do in my free time, but watch TV because I don't have social media to scroll on. And so I'm looking on Amazon prime. A yeah. movie to watch and under the children and family section, the war room movie was there. Mm. So I watch it and I'm watching it and I'm like, I've watched this movie. I remember this movie and, mm. and it ended. And I remember sitting there and it re-sparked my faith again. And I'm thinking, wow. what if God is real? What if like, I'm not just watching this movie by coincidence. Mm. And I'm thinking he is real. What if Corey is the man? that I prayed for a couple years wow. ago and God just knew that his faith would come later because, you know, mm. in the movie she's praying, praying. And of course the faith came later. With yeah. her husband. And so what do I do? I start um, praying for Corey, for me, for our relationship. I try to get him to do it and he was not about it. So mm. I kept my prayer secret. I kept putting them in a stash, like in this little safe that he had bought me because yeah, I needed to save the receipts for this man because how else is he going to leave <laughs> if I'm not showing him, look, I prayed for this and this and this and wow. this and this and this happened. That's and faith I right there because you're believing without seeing it yet. Yes. And I just kept saying, well, I prayed it like this. I said, Lord, whatever your will is, like, if it is to save me and Corey, then please save us. Like, I don't want to go through this. And I just laid it all out to him. But one of the main parts that has that I always tell people because it's the most important part of my prayer. And cause I don't remember every single little detail. I still have some of the prayers up in my prayer closet right now, hanging on my mm -hmm. wall, just like how she has her answered prayers on a wall, you know? Yeah. But the main part that I would always put in every single prayer, if we are meant to be together, then please save us. And if you can save us, I will give you my whole heart for the rest of my life because that's wow. the most important part. That's why my lash business is everything to do with God. That's why I'm so on fire because I owe him because he saved wow. us. Yeah. Uh, 
Christmas that year was on a Friday, Christmas Day, and Christmas Eve, we had gotten in a big fight. Um, he had been venting to another woman about mm. our problems, and it was a woman who, on that Vegas trip, he invited me to. He had invited her. Well, he mm. didn't invite her. Sorry. He met her in Vegas, but he invited her to fly out to him a couple months after they had met. And mm. I had to tell him, like, no, if we're going to try to be together, she's got to go. So he had yeah. canceled her flight and she never came. But they tried to remain friends um, throughout. And it just bugged the crap out of me. But he would say, you know, men are just like this. It's like once that girl's done and over with, like, they really don't usually think about them in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to talk books with her and but then this like I just always felt threatened by her no matter even if it was an innocent thing because of my past yeah and I had gone through his phone Christmas Eve and I saw that he was venting to her about our problems so I'd confronted him we got in this huge fight and I'd asked him like how would you feel if I left you because I wanted to hear like when I left Austin it wasn't really that like I don't know. It just, yeah. it just seemed like Austin valued me that much. So I was like really hoping Corey would say, like, feel upset if I left. But he said I would feel relieved. And that just like broke my heart mm. and left Christmas Eve wow. I, to my mom's. I took my dog <laughs> and I went this to my mom. This dog has been everywhere with you. I know <laughs> she has. Her name is Millie and she was Aww. my baby. Um, I actually got really? her the second we moved to 29 Palms. So she mm. was literally with me through all She's of it. She's seen everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. She's passed away. So it's like, mm. I'm really thinking about well, it. Honor to Millie. Honor to Millie. <laughs> yes. um, but she, she came with me to my mom. So I'm like, I'm taking my dog. Like, if I'm mm-hmm. going, you don't get to keep my dog. Like, she's my dog. <laughs> he loved Millie. So I kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm at my mom's and I'm telling her what's been going on, you know, and oh, sorry. We had, after I started praying in my mom's basement, I kind of skipped a part. God started moving. And when it was a hard time for everybody to get an apartment, he got us an apartment at the beginning of December. Wow. So we had moved in. I prayed over our apartment. I know wow. I'm, sorry, I'm all over the place sometimes. But oh no, we definitely recommend praying over. We had moved into our own apartment and it was like everything I was praying and asking for, God was like, okay, here it is. And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're meant to be together. I'm seeing it, but we were still fighting. And Mm. so I went to my mom's, I left our apartment and I went to my mom's and even on the way there, I called my best friend at the time. And she was like filling my head with like, do you really want to be with this man? Like you need to leave him. Like you don't deserve this. You know, the devil speaks through people. He'll Mm. even speak to us. Sometimes we don't even realize it. We have to be very diligent on what we Mm. say in words before we even leave our house. But he was. He was using, he used my mom to say, you know, sweetie, do you really want to stay with him? And it's like, my parents are trying to comfort me Christmas Eve. And then it's kind of like they muffled and I'm thinking about God and I'm just thinking about my life and I'm like, I'm not going to quit. And I feel like Mm -hmm. God said to me that day, like, go back. So I went back to the apartment and even Corey was like shocked that I was there again. And uh, he had went to go to sleep in the bedroom. I made me a bed on the couch and I just remember him coming out that night. And I think I've heard him share with a friend that, that God, that's like when God softened, started softening his heart because he came out to me that night Mm 
and just leaned on the floor right next to me, just crying because I came back mm. and he was apologizing. And that's where I saw a glimpse of, of hope in us, you know? Mm. And then the next day was Christmas. We, we had a Christmas together. And then that night when we came home from spending Christmas day, like evening at my mom's, we came home and late that night, I was searching churches in our area and yeah. I would search in, I would click on one called new creation church. I loved it. And then I kept looking, but then I kept clicking on new creation church a couple of times. And I'm like, Oh, I keep seeing this website. Like, I, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to take you. Like, maybe this is one. Yeah. I, was thinking like, Corey's, there's no way he's just going to come in church with me. So I'm going to submit inquiries to their small groups because they have the option where you can just submit an inquiry to one of their small groups. So I did. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's not going to, they're not going to get back to me until the next business day. So I was like looking forward to Monday. Well, Saturday morning, Edna Hernandez calls me and I always say her name because it just makes it so true. Like, and she's always praying for me. She's been rooting wow. for us all the time she's like one of my I, we we hardly ever talk but I know that she always watches everything and I always pray wow. for her she's praying but she called me very early in the morning and she said I just want to you know share some insight about the church and my story I don't want you to feel you know pressured or anything and so she was just very kind and loving and welcoming and my people pleasing kicked in. So I was like, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there at church tomorrow to meet you. We hung up the phone and you, you know, Corey's, I tell him we're going to church tomorrow. He's like, why did you tell her that? And I'm just like, I need to go meet this woman. So he said, well, I'm coming with you, but I'm not coming because I want to go. I'm coming to make sure it's not a cult that you're not going to be suckered into this cult. And I need to make sure it's okay. So we're there. We go to service and it's pastor's wife speaking. And of course she speaks about everything. Like I had been begging Corey, like just open your heart to God, just open it. And he was just not about it. But pastor that day, his wife, um, she goes by pastor Sharon, but she was talking about how God moves in your life little by little. And she was giving like an example of like the mailman. You don't just let him in your house right away. You'll like, mm. even pay, like get a distance. But then there's the people where once you get to know them, you'll invite them over for coffee. But then there's your really close friends where you're like, Oh, come over. Like, let's hang out all night. Let's have a sleepover or whatever, you know, yeah. just, and she correlated that to opening your heart more and more to God and inviting him in. Mm. And, um, it was everything that we needed to hear that day. So Corey, you know, I think he was kind of weirded out that she spoke about everything we needed to hear that day. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't come to church with me the next couple of Sundays. So that was pretty bummy. Like I was really upset. So I pray with some of the older ladies at church and they would just say, mm. like, he's going to come just keep on hanging on to the faith. Mm. And so I did. And I saw an opportunity to really get him there and they were going to be having, and this is 2021 now. So January, 2021, I pretty much went to church by myself. Um, and then February, I volunteered us for this couples EXO, the EXO marriage conference. If you haven't heard of mm. that, really good. And it was for married people, but I volunteered us to do the check-ins for this event. And so Corey's like, why would you do that? But I'm like, because we need to meet people and we're doing this. So we did mm. it. And we did. We met people and they gifted us free tickets for volunteering to do that. And it was exactly what we needed to hear regarding 
relationships. And we were the only unmarried couple at that conference. So at the end mm. of the conference, um, Jimmy Evans, he's the pastor of, X, like, he's the one who leads the whole EXO conference. But um, it was just like on TV. So they just played mm. the conference online. But he had all the married people stand up and he just walked them through like a marriage renewal. Um, and we were the only ones who were sitting down, but just watching it, mm. it just shifted the atmosphere for us because yeah. we come to church more, our, mar- our marriage, our relationship started getting better. So now I have to tell mm. you these dates um, to kind of get this timeline because Austin and Courtney do come back in the picture. Um, so when we did start going to church, also they were doing a forgiveness series. Mm. They did this forgiveness event. It was a, it was a, it was not called a Sozo. Sozo is more, um, have you heard of Sozo's? Mm-mm. It's like a healing, um, a freedom ministry, but it's where it's for yourself. But it was like a group version of a Sozo. I forgot the name. Yeah. Of it. But they did this like healing forgiveness um, night. It was, I don't even remember what it's called, but I went to that. And, you know, I start hearing about forgiveness and the freedom that you receive from it and, you know, bless your enemies. And I'm like, at first I'm like, bless yeah. your enemies. because, you know, Austin and Courtney, they got married. They had a couple kids together and all throughout their marriage, I would try to still warn her about the things yeah. he was doing behind her back because other people would tell me and he would, she would tell him. And I, yeah. I get because I used to do the same thing where if I heard of something, I would tell him and I would say, well, they told me, you know, to try to make it feel like I have a backup, some backing yeah. up. He, um, so I think she would do that. Like what Candace said, and he obviously would retaliate by going online and just posting these things. So mm. I had given up on warning her. And so when I'm going through this forgiveness thing, I'm like thinking like, no, I don't want to pray for them. Why would I want God to bless them? You know, like they have no remorse for what they've done. I've never received any kind of apology, but then they really dove into the freedom mm. and, you know, that put it in perspective, you know, if you're asking God to bless them, you're not just, cause it's cliche. Oh, bless their hearts. You know, no, you're asking God come into their life, change them, renew their minds, transform their hearts and heal them. Because if they're healed, imagine how, much better to society or to their families and their children would they be, you know, Mm. as far as people like themselves, how, how good they can be to their children and their marriage. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to bless them. And then also I wanted to be set free. I didn't want to keep feeling this hurt and anger. Yeah. You know? And so from about January, like the end of January to June of 2021 is when I was praying for them and asking God to bless them. And then, so now I'm kind of got to give this timeline because it's going to get crazy. So Mm. (laughs) around March and April is when Corey started applying for jobs outside of Utah. Um, I think he was looking in Tennessee, Texas, but mostly here, Fort Bragg and Fayetteville, Mm. just because the market was better and we were wanting to not be in an apartment anymore. So yeah, he was really um, in like interviewing for jobs out here, like over the phone or online and stuff like that. And he wasn't hearing anything back from anyone just yet. So I'll, I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger for a second. That was like March and April. 
the end of April, we both got baptized together. Mm. In May, we got married. And then June comes along. And I had received a message from Courtney. Prior to this, her best friend actually tried to reach out to me. And I basically said, I don't want any part of this. Yeah. But then Courtney, you know, she messages me a very long apology. Mm. Um, basically saying that everything I had told her was true. It's true. And she's basically in my shoes that I was in Mm. uh, three years prior, four years prior. And she's just saying so sorry. And it was like, in that moment, as I'm reading it, my heart just, I had so much compassion for her. And all I wanted to do was help her. The old Candace, without having, you know, because this is now June, I've had six months of God just pouring into me at church, groups, I'm getting in his word and just it was like he had softened my heart so much towards her that the old Candace normally would have read this message and been like, Oh, F you, like leave me alone. I've warned you. This is what you get. Do yeah. not remember this. And I would have thrown everything in her face, but no, I was quick to want to help her. And so I asked her to give me a call. We talked on the phone for probably two hours. Wow. And she was just explaining how the abuse had just gotten so much more just worse. And yeah. like it was to a point where he had held a gun to her head in front of their mm. kid. And that mm-hmm. devastated me because it's like these poor little babies. Yeah. And I'm listening to her. And she said that even financially, it got so bad that she had to enlist in the army just to keep a roof over her and the kids' head and keep a steady mm. paycheck because he wasn't taking care of them like financially like he's supposed to. So I hear that. I'm like, mm. okay, well, cause she's from the West coast. So I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, well, where are you stationed? It's gotta be somewhere out here. She said, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Wow. And I was I like, look at God. <laughs> I was like, you're kidding. You're lying. And she's like, no, we're out here on the East coast and we're talking. I'm like, my husband has been interviewing and applying for jobs out there at Fort Bragg. Wow. Like, this is crazy. So I'm, you know, we're thinking like, I think God's calling us to North Carolina. Yeah. Well, we're kind of connecting and I'm kind of helping her get through this because, you know, anybody can just give you advice, but it's like, she was willing to listen to me because I had gone through it too. Yeah. It wasn't the Mm. same when anybody else was pouring into her. And so a month or two goes by and it was like the beginning of August. We had just came home from our honeymoon because we had a late honeymoon or mm. late honeymoon. And this is where God started really showing up, not just for us, but for her. And I do want to preface that like nothing that I'm about to say next would have ever happened. Like I'm telling every, I always tell everybody this. I was not good before God. Like we're awful without God. The only time mm. we're good people is because of him. Like, wow just what it is. And Mm. so, um, she calls me one day crying and she's very upset. And she said that Austin was out in Fort Bragg for their court date and he had gone to her house. He had taken, he basically demolished like everything, like ruined their clothes, like the kids clothes, Mm. but the most important part was he took her Jeep and drove it all the way back to Utah, leaving her and the kids with no means of transport. And I'm thinking like, what if an emergency happens and you can't get your kids to the hospital? I'm like thinking yeah. these things telling me this. And so I say, okay, just like, give me, give us a little bit. Like, we're going to think of something. Just, just give it some time. So we hung up and ended that call. Well, 
way prior to this during tax season, we had been blessed with a perfect amount to pay off my car finally. So we paid it mm. off and I was, you know, coming out of that LA mentality, you know, I always needed to have the new thing. I always needed yeah. the new car, the new phone, the new, whatever was trending, you know, I needed it. But yeah. second we picked up my car, Corey was like, we can afford another car payment. Like, let's get you a new car. And I, I just finally had the humbling thought like, no, why don't we just wait? Let's just wait for the right time. Well, as soon as mm. Corey said this and we hung up, I looked at Corey and I said, I think God wants me to give Courtney my car. And he said, I heard the same thing. Wow. So, and this would not have happened. Like a thought that good is not something that we do naturally in the flesh. Yeah. Is yeah. something wow. that's a calling from God, you know, and it's up to us if we want to be that gracious Person, yeah. and, and do that. And I don't like making myself seem like I am on a pedestal. I don't want ever want people to hear this part of my testimony and think like, oh my gosh, she is so, I mean, God gives us purpose in that way to say like, yeah, I, I was able to do this for somebody and it does like make you feel good, but it's more so because of God and yeah. it's to show God's love to Courtney, to her. And, and so we've left that night and it was so crazy. I was like, I have work the next morning. I don't know how we're going to do this. I have all these appointments, but it all got rescheduled. My boss was like, that's fine. You can go. Like, it was all so easy. It's like God yeah. made the way to leave that night. We left that night and drove all weekend wow. um, to Fort Bragg. And yeah. um, sorry. My oh, dog you're good. You're absolutely fine. <laughs> Everybody. Um, so he, um, so we drove that night. We, we arrived in Fayetteville Sunday midday because mm. we left on a Friday night. We're, we're driving there and she was still surprised. You know, she, she didn't know what to think. Um, mm. cause it's kind of a big, like, I always wonder like what was going on in her head you know, during all of this? How did, did yeah. she feel God's love? Did she feel, I just don't, I, from my perspective, I don't think she felt, um, like worthy of it. Cause when you're yeah. where she was at, she kind of, sorry, they're mowing the lawn now. You're absolutely fine. It makes me think of like the thing earlier of like huge now in your environment that you had left behind yeah. before. And it's like when you're in that environment, you don't really, you're so checked out that mm -hmm. everything, this, all this stuff is just happening. And it's like, you can't even get a grapple on it. And, yeah. but one thing I do remember is Austin had found out I was there and he kept blowing up her phone and I kept saying, Courtney, you do not have to answer this. We try to go to lunch with her and I could just see, yeah. you know, I was the same way. It's like your phone is your electronic leash. Like you yeah. can't put it down. You're just so focused on like trying to respond to them because you know that, it, and I just, just watching it. And I'm just like, if only you knew like yeah. freedom, you know, and mm. I remember he called her once and. The way that I talked to him, it wasn't mean or anything, but she was able to see how I was able to talk to him Yeah, and just explain, like, you don't have this power, like, stop talking to her like this. Like, it's not okay. Yeah. And she saw that. And it was like, I know she got a glimpse of that courage and confidence wow. too. Um, and then I remember we had a moment in her bedroom where, you know, I just prayed over her and I just explained to her that what she did to me in the past 
it it mm. had nothing to do with me at all like she was being manipulated she was being deceived and you know i i explained to her that even when jesus was on the cross he still yelled out father forgive them for they know not what they're doing mm. she didn't know what she was doing whatever yeah. he was saying to her like she really truly didn't understand what was really going on at that time and i just yeah. let her know how much god loved her or loves her and and jesus yeah. and and I was able wow. to talk to her about that stuff. So um, then we left and on our flight home, and there's one more thing I do want to share how God blessed us during this too. So December, 2020, when we got into our apartment, my husband finally put away his pride and applied for his disability with the VA. And I'm sharing this. I know he's... <laughs> I just know he's going to watch. So I always have to say this. Like, I'm sorry, babe. Yeah. I know this is about our finances, but I'm sharing it because it was a blessing. And people, I'm not gatekeeping our blessings. Yeah. Um, and it could help someone out there too listening. Yes. Well, the VA yeah. had said that everything was backed up because of COVID. Mm, yeah. So that he wouldn't get his disability rating for a little bit. Well, come July, like maybe a two week or it was right before our honeymoon sometime in July, we he came waking, bursting into our bedroom, waking me up in the morning, so happy. And he said, I finally got a word back from the VA. This is like eight months later. And he said, I got full hundred percent rating and wow. they backed us for all of those months. They backed Oh my me. goodness. And I've been praying too. I've been praying wow. for a financial blessing. Like, I don't want this debt. I don't want to go into more debt just to enjoy our honeymoon. Like, yeah. And wow. when we came back from our honeymoon, we still had leftover finances. Uh, from that blessing mm. and when we got to her house you know we we realized like this blessing isn't just for us it's meant to yeah. share with others and we were able to get the car tuned up and get new tires on it we were able to get them some clothes uh, my husband wow. had like my ex-husband sorry he had I guess like soaked up um, got like all of the kids clothes like so wet and it, when we got there basically there was all these wet spoiled clothes in the shower like mm. in the back that was built up and he had broken her washer and dryer too so mm. that was good and so you know we were able to use those funds to share and gift and I took her shopping to get some of the kids clothes and um, we bought some stuff to help repair some holes in the house yeah so I really don't like sharing this part of my testimony because it sometimes makes me uncomfortable because I'm really I really don't want people to listen to it and think like oh my gosh she's so good because that is if I heard this story before I was a follower I would think like oh my gosh she is like the nicest person ever I don't want yeah I, like I just want to reiterate or just say it again like this is only because of God literally yeah wow never used to be this nice I was a get even kind of person and yeah. so after this happened, we had to fly home. Yeah. And so we were on our flight home and we had a layover in Denver, I believe. And Corey takes his phone off airplane mode and he says, I have a voicemail from Fayetteville. And I'm like, oh my gosh, play it. So he walks away, he plays it, and it's his job that he works for now, you know, wanting to move forward with him. And I'm just like, this is God. Wow. That's where because I always explain to people too, when I'm sharing this, it's, there are, you know, Christians out there who 
have the deeds or they look the part, but their heart's not always in yeah. the right posture. Yeah. You can yeah. always do the things. Sometimes can, they do. You can talk about Jesus, but not know him. Yes, that. And so I always say, like, I think God knew that our act of doing that was a genuine act and it was obedient at that because, you know, to just be like, spur of the moment, let's drive across the country and do yeah. this. Like it was an act of obedience. And also because this is someone who had wronged you in the past and you like basically were doing what you just said, like was something you didn't want to do is forgive, you know, mm -hmm. not, not necessarily forget, like forgive and actually begin that walk of freedom while still extending a hand of help. Because that if tell me it's, you can't tell me it's not God. If not only does God tell you, you need to forgive this person, but now I'm going to use you to help this person, the very same person yeah. that you were angry and bitter towards that in the past, you could have cared less what happened to them. Um, that's a true character development spiritually though. I always say like it's spiritual growth and there's also spiritual pain growth, kind of like when you're little and your bones hurt because they're growing. Same yeah. thing, because you had to go through that healing process, but it's so beautiful. And um, no, I get it. This could have only happened through Jesus. Like that's you taking up that example, not because you're, you are this nice and kind person and selfless, but because you were going through your own journey doing this as well. Like God was teaching you mm -hmm. things that no amount of money could ever buy you. Yeah. And it's like, too, I think during this time, all that I could remember from, you know, that forgiveness series is, um, I'm not, I'm really bad with memorizing scripture, but when it talks about what reward is it when you love those who love you, like, mm. because it does tell a story when you do love those who, who were once your enemy. And mm. then the Bible also says, you know, if your enemy needs a glass of water, give him something to drink. And that's what I thought of instantly when she told me about the car. It's like God reminded me of his word. Like, this is, this is it. This is a glass of water. Wow. So, and so, um, as soon as Corey had that call, I was like, God is honoring this. Like we weren't doing anything to get something in return, but it was like, God honored that. And he finally blessed us with an answer. And you know, we're like, okay, wow. God's calling us to North Carolina. And what really solidified this was when we started house hunting and, you know, I go on Facebook and the Marine Corps base is two hours from here, Fayetteville, the one in Jacksonville, the Marine Corps base mm. in Jacksonville. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, we might have friends out there that, you know, people that we already know. So I post, I'm like, who out of all of our friends like live in North Carolina? Well, Ashley and Tony live in Autryville. Wow. That's 30 minutes from my house. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, amazing. The girls who invited me to their Bible study planted that seed. Mm. And now I like look back and I'm like, I was so sad when they had to move. And I'm like, you know, when your friends move in the military, it's you still kind of are really heartbroken because yeah. it just sucks. And I look back and I'm like, no, it was like God. It was like they were in California on a mission. I see it as this. They probably don't see yeah. it like this. But yeah. I see it as God took them to California on a mission. Their mission was to obviously plant seeds. But now I'm like, as soon as they left is when me and Corey started. And that mm. was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They had to go. 
because I needed to grow with Corey. Yeah. And so of course, also moving here, like Corey still was on the fence kind of like he was like, he got baptized and, you know, he was on faith, but he was still learning with God, but it wasn't until yeah. his job also was a blessing because our mentor, pretty much mostly his mentor, but I've leaned on him a lot too with yeah. things I've struggled with, but he has been the one to just be so patient and loving with my husband because my husband will ask all the questions. He will want to debate all the things when it comes mm. to the Bible, God's word. Yeah. This man was exactly what he needed to teach him mm. <clears throat> and pour into my husband. And then my husband just got involved right away with the church. Like wow. when we found our church that we go to now, it was like the second time he just started signing up for volunteering and he made friends faster than I made friends. And I was getting like wow. sad for a second, but he just dove right in and um, he had started wow. reading this book called Measure of a Man. It's a really good book. It's so good that he's like on his fourth or fifth time reading it with another group of men. He's been reading it with countless groups of men over and over because it's just that good. It's really good at helping men become the men that God created mm. them to be. Mm. And he's found a best friend and like just seeing my husband like just transform because he used to be the type, you know, he didn't want to work out with anybody. Now his friends are in my garage at five in the morning trying to work out. And I'm like, <laughs> the guy who doesn't like working out with people are working out is like working out with all these people. Wow. Or just, he's always so smiley. And mm. he's, yeah, he's, he's a different, wow. a different person too. And That's amazing. honestly, it's helpful now because I don't really... I have like old, like I've, I'm getting closer with my friends at church because that's the season I'm, I've been in, um, because mm. I'm ready just to really enjoy the peace and just dive deeper, but I don't really have a mentor who I really go to, but now that my husband, he is further along now in faith, I know it's not, um, a race or anything, but he is now to where he can actually lead me. Mm. and he's kind of like my mentor he can teach me he can disciple me as his wife and lead yeah. our household and wow um yeah and I started my lash business um before we moved here to North Carolina our our church back home some of our friends would you know pray over me or tell me that they saw me as this colorful colorful rose and she had a, a picture painted for me and it was about mm rainbow of promises she had typed something wow. up and, and then I had another friend saying that she saw me in a field with all these different colored flowers and one of the verses on the colorful colorful rose picture that my other friend had given me she also not only typed up this snippet about the rainbow of promises but she also gave me the verse I think 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 to 16 and it's about spreading the fragrance of Christ. To mm. um, so that was when we got to North Carolina. I was like, what am I going to do? I need to find work. And yeah. I had been banking. So I applied for a credit union here. I did all three interviews all the way. I went the first day of work and I was just sick. Like I was spiritually mm. sickened because I'm looking around. I see people upset about their account status just I'm thinking like dang I'm surrounded by debt right now like anything in a, in a bank like I know like a mortgage is like what we we obviously need a mortgage in this world or like a yeah. car is hard to but it's like I don't want to be in a building where like money is just because money is the root of all evil and 
Yeah. I was just so sick and I came home from work and I was like, I can't do this. And I've never done this before. I feel like my parents raised me to where I was very professional. But the next day I went in for my second day of work and I went straight to the HR office and I told her I needed to quit. Oh my <laughs> and goodness. I remember her asking me, what are you going to do? And I was like, I think I'm going to do lashes. And mm. I remember she said, Scott, like she laughed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, this isn't going to happen. So I did. I ended up taking a lash course and I started doing lashes and I'm hearing about these women's lives. I mean, well, first they would ask me how I came to North Carolina since I just moved. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I just moved here. They would ask. And I'd say, well, do you want the long story? Or do you want the short story? Mm. And so they adult, they're women. They want the long <laughs> story. So I started sharing my testimony. And also when I came to the realization that I was doing lashes, it made sense why people kept telling me they saw me in a field of flowers or surrounded by all these different colors. And then the verse about spreading the fragrance of Christ, I'm like, these flowers are women. Like mm, women wow. who are still growing. And like, I could be a part of continuing to water. Like maybe a seed's yeah. already planted because a lot of women out here, a lot of my clients did grow up in church. Yeah. And it just probably wasn't being watered correctly. Wow. So I get to help water that seed and pour into these women. And they open up to me and a lot of them before too, I had no idea how the, how I was gonna say the heck, but how I was going <laughs> to build the clientele. Yeah. Um, I didn't know really anybody. And so I just started praying. I said, thank you, Lord, for the women you have lined up for me. I thank you for sending me women who need to mm. feel and hear you and just see a different perspective and see light. And every single one of my clients so far who's opened up to me, there are still some who's kind of, you know, quiet, but so far, every woman who's opened up to me, they have gone through, even if it's something from like my childhood, they have gone through it or most importantly most of them it's a same similar situation of their marriage wow of a failing marriage and so or they're coming out of their marriage from failing or they're coming out of a divorce and it's just you know the same kind of healing every story is different no story is the same but it's pretty much along the same healing yeah and you know, it just makes me realize, like, how cool is that? Like, you guys have no idea. Like, I mm. I prayed for you guys. And it's like, God's chosen you. Because yeah. if, I, if you're an answered prayer, then that means God has his hand on you. Mm. And it's like, I wish they could all just see this. And I feel like a lot of society, too, for some of my clients have kind of, I feel like mm. Christianity, too. I just realized, like, a lot of Christians don't take accountability or they're not very transparent or about their faults and it's like you gotta be if you really want to do the work of jesus you gotta yeah you gotta be ready to just pour your guts out like you said you shared this with me when we talked before this yeah. you said i can't get into other people's business without sharing my own and that actually resonated yeah. with me this whole last like week because wow. that is so true and it makes sense they open up after i've shared my story they're kind of tense i share my story and then they're like oh, pouring out yeah you know and wow, it is so, so, so true. Like you just can't. Eat. Yeah. I mean, uh, and it's, it's beautiful what you're doing and what God is doing through you right now. And like everything that he's already done and like, like, wow, like I can't think of a, a better just um, 
an outcome, you know, for you and your person. And like, I love how God curates everything depending on how he made us. Like when he made us, he he knew our humor. He knew our taste of style, our character, <laughs> what we liked, our favorite ice cream flavor. He knew all of this before it happened. So then the thing that he also was like, and I'm going to put them on this field and on this purpose because of what I know about them. And it's very yeah. beautiful. Um, it's it's just a sweet sentiment that God is just so um, intentional with us. And so I have to ask now that we're coming so close to an end, um, two things. One, with all of the, that you've said, what would you say like God has done with your pain? Like if you could just sum it up and explain like a small detail, like what has God done with all of that pain that you endured and experienced? I think God has to use our pain to heal others. Um, mm. Because even through like, so after I started doing lashes, it that wasn't an easy journey either. I had to go to beauty school. I got reported because you need to actually have a cosmetology or aesthetics license. And even through beauty school, I was persecuted too. And mm. so like God has to take all of our pain, every single circumstance in our life that is painful or hard. He will mm. always use it to bring light. And whenever people are like, I just want to know what my purpose is with God. And I'm just like, it's not just one thing. Like your purpose mm. isn't just to be a dentist. Your purpose isn't just to do lashes. Your purpose isn't just like your purpose. When God, when people say, yeah, God's given me a purpose. Your purpose is to serve him, to follow mm. him, to spread the gospel that is your purpose. And once you get that, like once it just clicks for you, you have purpose in anything that you do. That is how you wake up with purpose. Like today, my purpose wow. is to at least talk to somebody about Jesus. Like, yeah, once you get to that point in your faith, because I used to think like, oh, what does God want, want me to do? What is, what is my purpose? It's not about what we're meant to do. It's about mm. what he wants to do. And it's about us serving him and submitting to him and doing his work and speaking his word and sharing his love and giving the grace. And that's how God gives people purpose. It's not just one thing because God might be having me do lashes right now, mm. but who knows what he's going to call me to do next. But the purpose mm. is always going to be the same. Wow. Not so going to change. So wow. that is amazing. Truly amazing. I think so. I think what it made me think of is from pain to purpose, you know, <laughs> kind of really just forging you from that pain and like how it says in the Bible, like, you know, God or not in the Bible. There's a song. I might be incorrect, but there's a song um, called um, Paul and Silas that it one of the lyrics is, oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it's um, don't give up on me by Brandon Lake. That's the one I'm thinking about. And there's a lyric in there that says, you know, I'll, like when you're in the fire, I'm in the flame with you. And it's yeah. really, really beautiful because that's what God did. You know, that's what he did with your pain. Like he took your pain and then gave you so much purpose through it and just really walked you through all of that. And it's so, so beautiful. The second question I wanted to ask you was, where can people find you? You So I really want to hit on that real quick before you jump off for your last tech. Um, like your company, where can people find you if they're interested in getting their lashes done by you? Um, if you have, like you talked about that Facebook group that you created for women who have experienced abortions and just like 
giving that a community. So like even your TikTok, is there anything you want to share before you hop off where people can, you know, follow you, get more of you, reach out to you, anything like that? Yeah. So um, my business Instagram is come alive lashes, all one word. Um, you can even, I personally don't let people I don't know on my personal Instagram, but you can always follow my business page. And it, once we do cross paths or talk back and forth and um, I do have a Facebook page if they want to join it called Surrendering the Secret, Hope After Abortion. Mm. Um, I have a desire to be a mom now, so that's about to be another, God's going to work through this with me. And I am located, my business is located in Rayford, and I just always tell everybody, like, just don't make it weird. Like, ask me anything, because I do have <laughs> girls who have have booked with me to get their lashes done and I could tell they're laying there because they want to ask me something but sometimes they're just trying to be respectful and think that I don't want to just flat out ask her you know about her personal life but like that's what we're for and I always tell encourage like my friends and people who do want to spread the gospel like everything you want is on the other side of fear and if you're wanting Mm. to really follow Jesus and be bold about him you got to practice you got to do little tidbits like Mm -hmm. I started by going live on Facebook and sharing my little daily testimonials or like updating people of how God's moving in my life and that kind of branches me you don't have to have the people in front of you um I started you know going up to strangers and you you start practicing if you goal is to pray over other people you just start practicing by going up and asking strangers like can I pray for you Mm. and you'd be amazed a lot of them usually I've never had someone refuse prayer but Wow. Amazing. And it's so true. I think uh, I heard my pastor say fear and faith are the same thing, believing in something you haven't seen yet. So it it really is where you're going to put um, your energy towards the fear of the faith. And I, I've got to say faith is much more peaceful um, than fear. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I just got to say, thank you so much for coming on and being so open and vulnerable, but also just so encouraging in everything that you've said. And like everything you said had a meaning behind it, just how you dived into it, just how you talked about, um, you know, just how you wanted to make clear that like you were also struggling at that time and you weren't trying to make this person seem like a horrible person. Um, and that just everything, just the way you carried yourself throughout this entire um, interview has just been absolutely beautiful. And I'm so incredibly grateful to have had you on. And I'm also so excited to see um, where you go and where God takes you and just everywhere that this this episode will reach. And hopefully um, people do reach out and know that they and know that they have someone that can absolutely relate to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've honestly, I'm really proud of us. We've hit our time. It's like 1056. Oh, and we hit it right on the nose so (laughs) look at god working with time and everything to make sure we got this interview in at the perfect amount of time that we needed to um yeah but i'm so incredibly grateful for having you on thank you so much of course thank you for having me i really do hope that it touches at least one person's heart i hope that people do listen to this i know it's lengthy but i do hope and i'm grateful for whoever does listen thank you for having me yeah absolutely until next time Thank you so much for listening to what God has done with my pain. If you are interested in helping me spread light and truth of what God can do with pain, go to givebutter.com dash what God has done with my pain. So the podcast may continue to sustain future episodes. As always, a huge shout out to Lazuli for her song, No Greater Love, which you can find on Spotify. And you can find Lazuli on Instagram at Lazuli P R O J. 
Swing by What Way This Way on Instagram to catch some behind-the-scenes snippets. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss a single interview. Meantime, I would love to hear from you on social media or email. Until next time.